at his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM Frisco, Dallas-Fort Worth. Catholic Radio for your soul in North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is the Good News Show. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to this pre-recorded edition of the Good News Show on this beautiful Monday, December 4th. I hope you are doing well. Hopefully the new month is treating you well. And the reason why we're pre-recording this is because uh, we had our Christmas share last week. And uh, Cecil and I always joke around because we're recording this before Thanksgiving and talking about something a couple of weeks ahead of time. So, Cecil, we like to time shift, don't we? It's kind of we fun. We really isn't it? do. I mean, forget the sciencey like time traveling thing just to do radio, <laughs> radio <pre-record>. time shifting <laughs> so i pray and hope and i expect that we did really well last week uh with the christmas share you know we were going for a thousand calls from north texas i'm and gonna so, say we did two thousand two thousand calls so the two thousand <laughs> who called in thank you very much and so we do appreciate uh uh your support last week during the christmas share and Cecil and i are, are off today so this is pre-recorded got a great great show in just a moment uh, uh, actually, hanging on the line with me right now is Steve Ray. You know him, you love him. I don't even think he needs an introduction, but uh, Catholic convert and pilgrim uh, leader and pilgrimage leader and uh, just an author and awesome guy. Uh, and guess what? He is coming to town in a week. Uh, uh, one week from today, he is going to be at St. Mark's in uh, Argyle, Texas, and then he's going to be going to the beautiful city of Rowena, Texas, St. Joseph Parish. So we'll talk to Steve in just a moment. Second half of the program today, an interview. I can tell you it's it's awesome because I've already done it. <laughs> uh, you know, the Catholic Foundation every year has their uh, Catholic Foundation Award Dinner, and we've been so blessed uh, just about every year for the last 10 or 15 years to have the recipients of their award come in. And these are, by the very nature that they get this award, these people are awesome. And this year it's Georgia and Mark Lyons, uh, 41st Annual Catholic Foundation Award Dinner. It's going to be February 10th, so it's only about a month away uh, at the Anatole Ho- Hotel in Dallas. And so I'm going to play the interview that I did with Georgia and Mark Lyons, the recipients, and they have done so much. In fact, I've got like three pages of introduction of all the things that they've done to bless the local Catholic community. So looking forward to that. Uh, It was a great interview. And so we'll play that uh, right after the bottom of the hour. So with no further ado, let me bring in uh, Steve Ray into the conversation again, coming to North Texas in one week. And Steve, uh, thanks so much for taking some time with us today. How are you? I'm doing very good, Dave. It's always good to talk to you. It's been a while. And you talked about since we're on December 4th that we are now, my wife and I, celebrating our 47th anniversary. In another three years, we'll be married 50 years. Oh, wow. So, so what's your actually, is your anniversary actually today, December 4th? December 4th, that's it. Oh. We're married 47 years, and we have uh, four great kids when we converted to the Catholic faith 30 years ago, uh, coming up this Pentecost. It will be 1994 that we became Catholics, and we had four kids two of them very bright teenagers who said they were not going to join with us. But after 
they read the letter I wrote to my dad to explain it. They said, Dad, that was a really good letter, and we're going to join with you. And that letter I wrote became my book, Crossing the Tiber. Mm. And now those four kids have given us 20 grandchildren. So, oh, wow. And uh, so we now have four great Catholic kids and uh, 20 grandkids. Four, three, four of them are going to Ave Maria University in Florida, and two of them are at Wyoming Catholic. So, you know, it's kind of scary, Dave, when you get to the point and the age where you say, I've been married almost 50 years, and I have six grandkids in Catholic University. <laughs> well, that is awesome. And that, that's quite a legacy, you know, because you hear about you hear about this, uh, like, pastor's kid syndrome where, uh, yeah. The, yeah, and then apparently that, that did not happen in the, 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 the Ray family where kids well, are like, know, forget that, you, uh, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It, there, there's, a, there's a key to that, I think, is that Jesus Christ, we were disciples of Jesus Christ, and that was the number one thing in our life. Everything else revolved around that. If somebody said, what do you do, or what are you? They, they usually mean, what do you do for a living? Yeah. And if they ask you, what, 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 what are you? I said, well, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm in the Catholic Church. Well, I, I didn't mean it. What do you do? I mean, <laughs> oh, what do I do for money? That's secondary. <laughs> I am primarily, my number one identification is I am a Catholic disciple of Jesus Christ. Number two, I am a husband and a father. That's the most two most important things. Everything else comes later. And the, what I do for money is only to support the first two priorities. Mm -hmm. So when and our family, that was the whole thing. We were Catholics. We loved the Lord. That was what we lived for. And the kids, when they see it lived out in a family like that, that that's what's important to mom and dad, generally they tend to follow. Yeah, that is great, uh, great advice, because uh, I know there's a lot of parents out there. In fact, uh, I'm a parent myself and uh, two teenage daughters, and that, that's really awesome. Let me, uh, you know, and I want to get to the events that uh, you're doing next week, because uh, we're going to have you here in North Texas for four days. You're going straight from St. Mark and Argyle uh, with their Advent Parish mission, and then uh, Rowena, Texas. And I know you know the Rome boys. You've probably been interviewed by them. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I just hope that the, your time here is a great blessing. And I want people lis you. listening to to get out to both or or one or one of those two uh, two events uh, next week, and we'll talk about that. But I'm just curious because you talk about you know being a, a Catholic now for 30 years, and uh, you know I, I don't I always you know introducing you. I, I think most people in Catholic radio know who you are, and you kind of came in that wave with Dr. Scott Hahn and Tim Staples. And I remember coming back, you know, into the Catholic faith at that time. And you guys were my heroes and, you know, you're all still active and you've been doing it for so long. And how, how, how does now compare to back then, as far as when you go out and give talks, how I know the church is different and we have a different Pope and, you know, the things are always changing, but how, how has it been for you during these 30 years? Well, I knew when I joined the Catholic Church that there has never been a golden age. There's never been a time where the, per the church is perfect. Even back, if you go to the first century, Paul, St. Paul starts a church. You think if there's ever going to be a golden age, it's that. But just go read 1 Corinthians and you'll find out that he was all kinds of problems with the church. Schisms and factions and problems and sexual immorality, all kinds of things. So I knew when I came in, I had my eyes wide open. I knew that it was not going to be perfect. And I knew that if the Catholic Church was perfect and I joined it, it wouldn't be perfect anymore <laughs> because I know me. <laughs> so, so first of all, I, I didn't come in 
with this uh, rose-colored glasses that everything was going to be great and and uh, every church leader is going to be marvelous and have everything correct. I came in knowing that any time in history is a great time to be Catholic because he calls us to be warriors. He calls us to come in. And, you know, the way I've come to think about this, Dave, is I, I, I don't want to get my blood pressure up. I don't think a lot about what's going on in Washington because I can't change it anyway. I don't think a lot about what's going on in the Vatican because I can't change that anyway. And up until a hundred years ago, Catholics really had no idea what was going on in the Vatican, what Mm -hmm. the Pope was doing or the bishops, because they didn't have social media. They didn't have television and this instant, you know, today if the Pope sneezes, everybody hears about it. (laughs) Back in the day, a hundred years or more ago, so it had to be some very amazing new uh, dogma or some amazing new election of a new pope before it kind of made its way around the globe. And then you'd hear about it. But other than that, what was the Catholic life? It was me living in my hometown, in my parish, doing things for my neighbors, helping people, helping doing evangelization while I'm shopping and while I'm on the street, talking to people to keep them in the faith if they get discouraged helping the poor, going to mass, raising my kids. That's what Catholics did for the first 1900 years. They didn't worry about what was going on in the Vatican. They didn't worry about what was going on in Washington either for that matter, because they didn't know. So I've made up my mind pretty much that I'm not going to worry too much about those things because I can't change them. So when I came into the Catholic church, though, my whole attitude was, you asked me what it was like then, I was so enthusiastic and excited, and we were going to get in there involved and change everything. And I haven't changed one bit, but I am now more in love with the church. Let me, I just mentioned I've been married 47 years. When I first met my wife and fell in love with her, I could call it that love that we had infatuation. It was an emotional, it was a romantic all the stuff that comes with falling in love with this beautiful blonde haired girl that you just, I can't think about anything else. That's what it was like to fall in love with the church. Once I found the church, I felt like that at our conversion with the church. Everything was exciting. Now my relationship with my wife, am I still infatuated with her? Absolutely. I am. But our love relationship now is far more mature and deep and experienced I know and she knows that neither of us are perfect. We don't look at the flaws. We don't look at our weaknesses. We look at what we do well together and what we are great about. So her and I now have a much deeper, more mature love and relationship. In fact, I said to her the other day, you know, Janet, if we were ever in a car accident and you were paralyzed from your neck down, I would be honored to push you around the rest of your life in a wheelchair and take care of you. That's the difference between the simple infatuation and the emotional um, romantic love and the mature love of later life. And I think it's the same with the church. I have the same love I had at the beginning, but the love, the infatuation part is not there so much now as a deep endearing love and a desire to stick with the church and help her through tough times and help Catholics stay on board during tough times. Yeah. So I guess I could, I could relate my marriage 
a little bit to our conversion and our life in the Catholic Church. Yeah, wow, wow, well, very well said. Thank you for that uh, that analogy. That that's a very good one. And you know, I think about somebody like you. People go to you to to learn about the faith, and you seem to be able to answer any question anybody asks you about anything in, involving the faith. How how do you, how do you keep your you know sword sharp as far as continuing education? Where do you go? What do you read? You know, who, who do you turn to? Are you watching podcasts? Or how do you stay sharp and uh, continue to, 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 you know, feed your intellect? Well, I, I lead pilgrimages mostly to, to Israel, but also to Lourdes and Fatima, Ireland, Poland and places. And that always, when you, when you step out of your native environment, so to speak, your comfort zone, and you go to those places, I learn every time I go. So for me, that is a huge um, way of building our faith. My wife is just a wonderfully spiritual woman and we just get along well together. I think that my main thing that I like to do is to write. I love to study the Bible and to study the Catholic faith and the early church history and to write. I just, my new book just came out with Ignatius Press a couple months ago called Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. It's a it's really the first commentary by a Catholic, I think, in at least 50 or more years. And I wrote it in a very simple way. But for me, to take all that time to write that book, that's what I love to do. If you ask my wife, what would Steve do if he had nothing else? He'd sit down and study the Bible. And I do it on the computer. I have some various wonderful Bible software programs. One's called Verbum. But it has, I have 1,600 books on there, so I don't even need my library anymore. Mm. <laughs> but that's what, that's what keeps me going and going to Mass. And one of the things that we're going to talk about, or really what I'm going to talk about in, in Argyle at St. Mark's Parish and in Rowena, Texas, is about the Eucharist. And because people have gotten used to it, they've, they, they don't really believe it anymore, a lot of people. And I'm going to try and supercharge people in their, in their understanding, and mostly from Scripture, mostly from the Scripture and the early church fathers. So those are the kind of things that keep me excited. I, I just love to read and study Scripture, and I know it's true. I guess the thing I would, the bottom line is this. There's a lot of philosophies out there, Dave, and a lot of them say, this is the truth. Everything is relative. What's true for you is true for you. And what's true for me is true for me. There's no absolutes. Nothing is solid, whatever you want. And I just reject all that. I know that there, truth can only be one truth. And if that's true, everything else is not. Catholic, the Catholic version of Christianity, Catholicism, is the truth of reality. It answers all the big questions, philosophical, historical moral, every question is answered by Jesus Christ and the Catholic Church. And when you latch on to the idea that there is one absolute truth, as opposed to all the others that may have some truth, but they are not the total truth, once you latch on to that about the Catholic Church, then it's easy to love it. It's easy to follow it because you know it's the truth. And you know that no matter how anybody comes at you with arguments from on the other position, you have nothing to fear because you are standing on the truth. 
Amen. Steve Ray joining me uh, on the Good News Show here, and uh, he is coming. You know, I, I misspoke. I said he's coming in a week. He's actually coming in six days. <laughs> uh, Sunday, yeah. Sunday, December tenth, uh, and also Monday, uh, December eleventh. Uh, he so that's just this coming weekend on Sunday at St. Mark's in Argyle. The first talk on Sunday is the Mass, really a sacrifice, and then uh, Monday it's defending the Eucharist. As Steve was just talking about, those are going to be at seven o'clock, and then. Uh, how convenient the very next evening he is going to be heading over to uh Rowena, Texas. And I don't know if you've ever been to Rowena, Texas, uh, Steve. It's got uh, this is uh, not. this is where I, I think at least one of the Rome boys lives and uh Steve is going to be there for um uh Tuesday and Wednesday. So immediately from Argyle to Rowena, which is in a different diocese. This is in the San Angelo diocese, but it's not too far away. And uh, I don't know what uh, the topics are going to be, but it's uh, 6.30 p.m. I called the parish today and I, I just said, hey, can you give me some of the details? And the, 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 the parish secretary was like, oh, yeah, Steve's coming, 6.30. So she was, yeah. she was excited. So uh, anything you want to kind of give a little uh, preview of either of those uh, missions or talks, uh, either at Argyle or Rowena here next week? In Rowena, I'm going the first night. I'm going to on the 12th. I'm going to give my conversion story. How did a how did a Baptist couple come all the way across the impossible chasm, the big valley, the huge chasm? How do we get from one side of being Baptist to the other being Catholic? And I'm going to explain that story. And what the effect that has on Dave is it encourages people because they said, my goodness, if a guy like that who used to be teaching Protestants how to convert Catholics and a guy who used to slam us on everything and all of our Catholic doctrines is now a Catholic. It encourages them. And it says, you know what? I'm in the right place. I'm doing the right. I may not be able to describe and explain it all like he does, but at least I know I'm in the right place. And it's a good time to bring family and friends, especially those who may be on the fence, who may be Baptist, who may be losing their faith, bring them there because I think it'll inspire them. So that's the first night. The second night is going to be defending the Eucharist. Defending the Eucharist is how Janet and I came to understand the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And I've given that talk over 100 times. My favorite place to give it is not Rowena or Argyle. My favorite place to give that talk is in Capernaum in the Holy Land mm. at the very synagogue where Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. I've given that talk 100 times in that synagogue. Wow. With our pilgrimage groups. And I've given it at least 150 times other places. And especially these three years where the bishops of the church have wanted to emphasize the Eucharist and help people to have another a great love and respect and understanding of the Eucharist, I'm getting asked to give these two talks all over the country. So the first one is in, um, in Argyle at St. Mark's, is, is the Mass really a sacrifice? So there's two big issues we're dealing with. Is the Mass a sacrifice, and is it the real presence of Christ? So those are two very different issues, both very important, so I'm going to deal with both of them. In my talk, Is the Mass Really a Sacrifice?, I start out with what Jesus said in the upper room, and everything he said in the upper room is sacrificial. Every word he uses relates to something in the Old Testament. So I'm going to go back in the Old Testament and show you how the... The Mass as a sacrifice was prefigured and predicted way beforehand so that when we see it, we go, oh, yes, of course, it's back there. It's with the bulls. It's been the, and, and you'll see it in the Passover lamb and all these things. 
one of the things I'm going to talk about there, I love talking about this because people never think about this, Dave, is when we at the Mass, the sac- holy sacrifice of the Mass, we hear the words, and this is my blood of the new covenant. How many people ever stop and say, hold it, wait, 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 what is the blood of the first covenant? Yeah. And go back and look for it. Where did, well, it's in Exodus 24, 8. And Moses tells the young men to bring bulls. And I get very dramatic in this in my talk. It's kind of fun. And I, he tells them to bring bulls, plural, with an S on the end. Bulls weigh a ton. They're mean, beastly creatures that they'll pin you against the wall and break your ribs if they get a chance. I, I was raised on a farm. I know these things. And he says, bring the bulls. And he says, that, it's a, in simple terms, Moses took the blood of the bulls and put it in the bulls and sprinkled it on the people. Well, first of all, how do you get the blood out of bulls and put it into bulls? Say that 10 times fast, blood of the bulls and bulls. <laughs> so you, this, they have to bring these young guys. They, the only way you could do it is to cut the bull open and hold him up. And now you've got feces and intestines and body parts all over the place. And you've got to cut the bull open and you've got to pick him up so that the blood will drain down into these big bulls. And anybody that's lived on a farm and killed their own animals for food knows that as soon as you cut an animal open, the blood comes out, it turns into snotty clots. And it stinks and it's sticky and the flies come immediately. And Moses said they put this in the bowls and then Moses sprinkled it. You don't sprinkle blood clots on people. You splatter them with them. Moses going through the crowd saying, oh, splat, splat. And these people now go back home to a tent where there's no showers and no washing machines. This is the blood of the first covenant. And this is what Jesus says is happening now, except that this is the blood, his blood of the new covenant. So I compare those two. How are they alike? How are they different? What does Jesus mean that his blood is the blood of the new covenant? So what I do is I take Jesus's words in the upper room at the consecration, which we've heard thousands of times and we just don't even listen anymore. And I dissect those words and show you that all of the sacrifices of the Old Testament, all of them are culminated and brought all together into one unique, sufficient sacrifice that replaces all of the Old Testament sacrifice. There's one sacrifice, and that's the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, and his cross and the Eucharist are intertwined. They're one sacrifice that cannot be separated. So at the Mass, you're not celebrating another sacrifice of Christ. You're celebrating the one eternal sacrifice of Christ. You are partaking in what they saw at Calvary. And so this is what I try to do with the first talk. Then the second talk is a whole different one where I talk about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist and how that can be that you're eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And and that's a very fun talk, actually, that one is. So that's what I'm going to be doing pretty much in uh, in Argyle and Rowena. Yeah, wow, very nice. Nice summary. Uh, Steve Ray joining us now. Just a, a few minutes uh, remaining before we're going to take a break. And, you know, Steve, I it's one of those things I know I've heard your story a number of times, and I've heard you on Al Creston. I'm trying to think back when, you know, as you just mentioned, you were a Protestant. Your goal was to, to teach Catholics how wrong they were. And then uh, 30 years ago, you become a Catholic. And what was what was the catalyst or that? And I, I, something tells me it had something to do with Al Cresta or what, what what was the first, you know, crack? Uh, can you share that with us? I'm sure it's going to come out yeah. in Rowena. What was the first thing? Well, it, it is. And it's in my book, Crossing the Tiber 
which is my conversion story, a letter written to my dad to try and explain to that poor Baptist deacon what I, why I was doing this silly yeah. thing of becoming a Catholic. But it all began on a Sunday afternoon when we were driving home from a Baptist church service, and my wife said to me, I can no longer go listen to that man preach and call it worship. She said, it may be good preaching, but it's not worship. We are missing something, Steve. There's something about the way God wants us to worship that we're missing at a preaching service. Now, there's the, the probably the most famous Baptist preacher of all time is Jeff, uh, Haddock Spurgeon. George, uh, Haddock Spurgeon is his name, yes. And he said in the 1800s in England that there is no form of worship that is higher than a good sermon. Wow. If you really want to reach the pinnacle of worship, go hear a good sermon. And my wife knew something was wrong with that. That started the whole journey because we found out that, that there was something more to worship than just preaching, and every Catholic knows what it is. Funny thing is, is that her dad was so angry at us for leaving and becoming Catholic. He said, you took my daughter. You know, he was really upset about it. And I said, sir, it wasn't me that started it. It was the woman you gave me. It's kind of like right out of Adam and Eve, right? It's the woman you gave me. But our whole, the whole journey began um, when we realized the problems with Protestantism. Yeah. It didn't begin by somebody telling us how beautiful the Catholic Church was. It began when we saw the problems with Protestant church churches. What is worship? What's the final authority? Bible alone? It can't work. It never intended to work. You, can, you didn't even have the Bible alone for the first 400 years. So uh, that was another issue. How many churches did Jesus start? The, the Protestants don't have an answer for that. We've got 40,000 denominations. Who knows how many? Then another one was, does God have any opinion on morals? What is, does he have any opinion on whether two men can get married or uh, infants should be baptized? Or, and all these churches have different ideas. And there was never supposed to be that kind of confusion in Christianity. Protestantism has it wrong, and we knew it. But we didn't know that there was an answer. And I almost became agnostic. Hmm. And then you brought up Alcresta. Then Alcresta came, we were best friends since 1983. And we used to get together almost every weekend. We lived in the country. He lived in the city of Detroit. They'd come out to ride our horses, swim in our pool and stuff when we were, when our kids were just babies. And, um, one day, Al. And Steve, I got to wrap friend, this up in about one minute. So oh, okay, I'm, okay. I'm sorry. Well, anyway, I'm gonna, he, I got a hard break, but yeah, go ahead. That's okay. He said that he was becoming Catholic, which totally rocked our world. We tried to prove him wrong. We ended up proving him right. <laughs> and in 1994, we became Catholics. I'm going to tell that whole story in Rowena, and a lot of it comes out in Argyle as well. And I'm looking forward to being with everybody in Argyle and Rowena in a week. All right. Uh, perfect. Well, Steve, thanks so much. I always enjoy talking to you. I always say that you're the easiest interview in the world. I always learn something from you and uh, you're such a blessing to the church. And I, I, I did not, and I have not, to be, to be honest, I have not read that, that book and to, to think that it started with Janet. I did not know that. That is so interesting. Yep. Uh, yep. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for the first segment here of the Good News Show. It's a pre-recorded uh, December 4th because uh, we're off today. We had a rough week last week. Oh, it was a great week, but it was a busy week with the Sherathon and 
And so uh, when we come back, uh, I'm going to play the wonderful interview that I did with the honorees of the 41st Annual Catholic Foundation Award Dinner. It's going to be February 10th, Saturday, February 10th at the Anatole Hotel in Dallas. I love the Catholic Foundation. This is one of the best events of the year. And Georgia and Mark Lyons are my guests. And I'm going to introduce you to them you to them and them to you (laughs) when we come back right after this break. Thanks for joining us. The Fort Worth Diocesan Mission Council invites all to attend Mission Awareness Day 2023 at Holy Family Parish in Fort Worth on December 9th from 9.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. The keynote speakers will be Miss Alexandra Holden from the National Office of the Pontifical Mission Societies in New York and Reverend Anto Vijayan Carlos, SAC, Pastor of St. John the Baptizer in Bridgeport. For more info, visit the Fort Worth Diocesan website, fwdioc.org. Do you wonder who decides if your flight is on time, delayed, or canceled, calculates weight and balance, or plans your route of flight? Aircraft dispatchers are responsible for these decisions and more. My wife and I operate Aircraft Dispatcher Training Center in Farmer's Branch, where you can earn your FAA Aircraft Dispatcher Certificate. We attend Mass at St. Anne's Church in Capel and are blessed to be sponsors of the GRN. For more, you can find us at adtcdallas.com. Mark your calendars for Fridays, December 15th, and Saturday, December 16th, and make plans to attend a special event at St. Catherine of Siena Parish in Carrollton called A Night of Carols, presented by the Parish's Youth Ministry at 7 p.m. each evening. The event is a fundraiser for the Parish Youth, Guardian, and Hope Ministries program. It's a great opportunity to celebrate the Christmas story and song. Visit stcatherine.org for more information. Thank you for listening to KATH 910 AM and being a part of this great radio ministry, a community where we all live, work, learn, and pray together. I'm Dr. Kyle Eberlein, a longtime supporter and sponsor of this station. If you're in need of a dentist, we have two offices to help you, one in Bedford and one in Hearst. You can find us online at midcitiesdental.com to find more information or request an appointment. Popular Catholic apologist, convert, and speaker Steve Ray is coming to North Texas for two events in December. Steve will lead an Advent mission at St. Mark Parish in Argyle on the evenings of Sunday, December the 10th and Monday, December the 11th. His topics will focus on the Mass and the Eucharist. Steve will also speak at St. Joseph Parish in Rowena on the evenings of Tuesday, December the 12th and Wednesday, December the 13th. For more information, visit catholicconvert.com. Danny McDonald with Omnia House Buyers is a new sponsor here on KTH 910 AM. He's a longtime supporter of local Catholic radio on the Guadalupe Radio Network. He and his family are active members of St. John Paul II Parish in Denton. He's interested in helping people by offering cash payments for homes and other properties in any condition. To learn more about Omnia House Buyers and to find out if they can help, they're located online at omniahousebuyers.com. And they can be reached via phone at 940-222-5896. That's 940-222-5896. Welcome back to the Good News Show here on this December 4th. As I mentioned uh, previously at the top of the hour, this is a pre-recorded show because we had our big uh, Christmas share last week. And thanks to everybody who donated and helped to keep this station on the air because without your support, we can't do what I'm doing right now and highlight a great organization like the Catholic Foundation that we have had such a great relationship with. And also, uh, I'm so excited because every year that I can remember since I began 
began my role with KETH 910 AM, the Catholic Foundation has given me the, the blessing of interviewing the folks that they honor every year at what is really one of the great, great events of the entire year in the local Catholic world. And so February 10th, 2024, a little over two months from now, uh, Georgia and Mark Lyons are going to be honored during the Catholic Foundation Award Dinner at the Hilton Anatole Hotel. Uh, Jane and Don Hanratty, recipients of the 2017 award, are going to serve as the award dinner committee chairs. And so they are doing a whole lot of work. And so I have in studio with me and very honored to have with me Georgia and Mark Lyons. They are South Louisiana natives, college sweethearts, longtime supporters of Catholic churches, schools, major philanthropic campaigns in Dallas, and they have been selected, as I mentioned, uh, to receive the Catholic Foundation Award. And before I get to them, I do want to thank Bill Kula, who is Director of Communications for the Catholic Foundation, because I've said many times, Bill makes my life so easy because he is such a master preparer, and he has uh, given me so much information about the Lions. So before I say more about what they've done and why they are more than, uh, you know, uh, deserving of this award. I just want to say hello to you both and thank you for coming to the studio, Mark and Georgia Lyons. Good morning. Uh, thank you, Dave, for having us. Yeah, yeah, good good to see you. And I know we got a lot uh, to talk about, but before I get into all that you've done, because people will say, but maybe people will say, you know what, I'm, I'm not familiar with them. And it's interesting how a lot of times the people that are honored are doing a lot of work behind the scenes. And so before I go into a little bit more about you all, I just always curious, uh, Mark, how did you take the news and how did you find out that you and Georgia were going to be honored uh, next year? We were very reticent, to say the, to say the least. Um, we are we're very thankful for the uh, board of directors of the Catholic Foundation uh, uh, making this award to us, and uh, but but we are certainly um, humbled by it, and think there are a lot of other folks that might be. Uh, more appropriate recipients. Mm-hmm. Well, there'll be other years down to them, right? Uh, Georgia, how about you? How did you find out and what was your first reaction? Well, Dave, we were invited to lunch by Matt Kramer. Okay. And uh, so I asked Mark, why do you think Matt wants to have lunch with us? And he goes, oh, he just wants to talk donor stuff. And, yeah. You know, we, we're friends with Matt and his wife. So we just thought he had invited us to lunch So we walk into the restaurant, and not only is Matt there, but Dan Odom, the chairman of the board, is there. You know, something's going on, And we looked at each other, and we go, "Uh uh-oh, the principal and the vice principal are here. We're in real trouble now. So anyway, but we had a nice lunch, and they didn't and ask us until the very end. So Oh, they waited until the end to break it to you. Quite honestly, it was a shocker. Uh, something we never anticipated that yeah. would be asked and, of us. And I know you said, Georgia, this is uh, really, you love this event, and you have yes. probably been to a lot of them. You've been involved in the Catholic Foundation. It must be almost surreal to have been to so many of these, see the people being honored, and then all of a sudden, it's you. <laughs> Very surreal, for sure, yes. I mean, this is the 41st uh, of the award dinners, so when we look back at that list of the other 40 recipients, it's like a who's who yeah. in, in Catholic philanthropy. I yeah. mean, we are so um, 
not worthy to be included in that group. But um, yes, and every year we love the Foundation Award Dinner event. We always look forward to it. It's one of our favorite events in the yeah. Catholic uh, Dallas community. And yes, um, it, it's it's it, the whole evening. I think will be like. How did this happen? Mm-hmm. You know, how yeah, did this happen? Yeah. It's to almost us? like you're you're a, a wedding or a big event, and yeah. you, know, you just want your. I'm, I'm glad that we're still a couple of months ahead of it because you have so much time to prepare for it. But it's probably going to happen in a flash, and you'll be exactly. like, "Wow!" Yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, again, thanks so much for coming in. I, I do now that we've uh, chatted a little bit. I want to let other people know about uh, some of uh, the, the work that you've done. And as I mentioned, Bill Kula sent me so much information. There's no way I can read all of this because if I did, I don't know the be any more time to actually talk to you all okay but that, that's a, that's a good uh, a good problem to have uh, so here's some information about georgia and mark lyons uh, for our dear listeners who are listening and you may not know a lot about what they've done and why they've been uh, you know in, in invited to receive this award on february 10th uh, georgia devoted her time for many years as a third grade religious education teacher leading their church's vacation bible school and a women's bible study uh, for years she has served as a eucharistic minister of holy communion She's been a member of the All Saints Women's Organization. I should mention that. There are members of All Saints Catholic Church in Dallas, the Funeral Reception Ministry and Disabilities Ministry. Uh, she also co-chaired the Diocesan Our Faith, Our Future campaign for All Saints uh, Church and is the current co-chair of the All Saints Soiree that supports both the parish and school community. She's a current member of the Angels of Charity, the Holy Trinity Seminary and Development Committee, and recently served on the All Saints Catholic School Principal Search Committee. Okay, that's just Georgia. (laughs) And that's not even everything, right? Uh, Mark's business uh, career spanned 45 years in the oil and gas industry. And for 30 years, he held executive level positions in the energy midstream sector and retired in 2017 as president and partner of Cardinal Midstream LLC. Mark has served as a trustee of the Catholic Foundation for eight years, including two years as board chair uh, from 2018 to 2020. He continues to serve on the Foundation's Advisory Council. He's a board member of the Diocesan Endowment Educational Trust, otherwise known as DEET, and St. Vincent de Paul North Texas Thrift Store. In addition, he serves on the Advisory Council of Holy Trinity Seminary, where he chairs the Finance Committee, and uh, they also find time, he finds time to coach his uh, daughter's Special Olympics golf team. Okay, now that's page one. I'm not even going to read page two, okay? There's a whole lot more, and you all have helped so many organizations in so many ways, and uh, and by your Bible studies and all that. And as you hear this, Mark, it must be just so, I'm sure it's just a blessing to be able to help so many different groups in the local Catholic community. Well, thank you, Dave. And yes, we're just, we're just lucky to have an opportunity to participate in a lot of things. We, we like to say that we just do a little bit here and there and try to help out where we can. And mm-hmm. we're, we feel very blessed for that. Yeah. I mentioned you're from South Louisiana. And uh, do you do you have uh, your parents are probably mentors for you. Are there others? And, and Georgia, you mentioned the other people who have received these awards and, uh, you know, how you look up to these folks uh, who have been your mentors. Who do you look up to? Are there anybody that um, ha- has helped you along the way? Well, certainly our families. Yeah. Um, as you said, we had both of our families were just ordinary families, you know, hardworking, um, two-parent homes mm-hmm. where dads went to work, moms stayed home uh, with the children. 
Mark's from a large family of six children. I'm from um, one of four children. So uh, we learned a lot of lessons in our home life of sharing, um, giving to others. We watched our parents sacrifice so that we could, you know, have all the things that we needed. Mm -hmm. As Mark always says, not everything we wanted, but the things we needed. And both of us were blessed to um, have started, and I finished, a Catholic school, um, a very small Catholic school for me, but still we had the influence of our teachers. The nun, in, in our day, we had many nuns that mm-hmm. were there, and, as well as the priest. Um, but mostly for me, my family, because uh, growing up in a small town, um, my next-door neighbors were my aunts, yeah. uncles, cousins, both sets of grandparents were there. Family was very important. Yeah. So yeah. I would say, you know, early life for sure was inspired by family. Mm-hmm. Was it work that brought you all to North Texas from Louisiana? Uh, I, I noticed that you've been members of All Saints Catholic Church since 1985, been married uh, 51 years, uh, have two children. Uh, is that what brought you here, Mark, is, uh, is work to North Texas? Yes, sir. We, uh, we did 11 years in New Orleans. Okay. And then um, moved to Houston for two years and uh, then came to Dallas. And, uh, you know, each one of those moves was dictated by uh, chasing a paycheck. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, the move to Dallas turned out to be a, a great, great experience for us. And yeah. Worked out quite well. Georgia, tell, talk about All Saints Catholic Church. I mentioned to you before we started recording that I used to live about a block from All Saints. I used to walk to Daily Mass over there. And they've, you know, Father Tom Clority and uh, Father Alphonse was the pastor. And, uh, you know, they just had, it's a great legacy. Tell, tell us about the parish and what how that parish has blessed you as a couple and as a family. Right. Well, we've been parishioners for so long. It goes back to when we were house hunting in 1985. We asked the hotel clerk, where's the closest Catholic church? Mm -hmm. And they sent us to All Saints. And I told Mark at that time, I don't care where we buy a house. This is going to be our church home. Mm -hmm. Because we really, um, we walked in and we saw a sign that said, welcome to All Saints. Your presence is cherished. And that meant so much. And we have felt that way all these years. Um, And, you know, besides the many priests, as you said, um, Monsignor Camel was abs- mm. ab- was pastor. Oh, well, yeah, that goes way back. Way yes, back, right? way back, yeah, yes. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we always felt welcome there, and we have made some of the most wonderful friendships uh, there. And we're regular 11 o'clock mass goers. Yeah. And so we have our little section. Not it doesn't belong to us, but... You know what I mean? You kind of tend to sit mm-hmm. oh, in yeah. your own yeah. little Creatures special habit, place. Yes. And we have just surrounded by our friends and people we we look forward to being with every week. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, th- thank you. It's a beautiful parish. And I've uh, spent a lot of time over there. It used to be my parish as well. If you're just tuning in, this is the Good News Show. This is a pre-recorded show because we had our share last week. And uh, well, we're blessed to have Mondays off uh, before after a very uh, difficult week during share and uh, I'm interview- interviewing George uh, and Mark Lyons. They have been selected by the Catholic Foundation as the 41st annual recipients of the Catholic Foundation Award. And I just think about the de- 
decision process and so many people doing so much. And uh, it, it's just such a an honor to receive this. And uh, you all are, are so humble, but uh, you, you've done so much. And I do want to direct people because uh, everybody listening right now is invited to come to this. Uh, I think they uh, are expecting about a, a hundred tables. And even as the time that we're recording this, I think about 70% of the tables have been sold. So get your tickets. My wife and I are going to be there. I never miss this event. CatholicFoundation.com has more information, CatholicFoundation.com. And uh, George, you mentioned about having that uh, lunch with Matt Kramer and uh, others from the Catholic Foundation. Uh, uh, Matt um, has a quote, and I just, maybe Mark, you can comment on this on the role of the laity. He <laughs> says, uh, Matt Kramer, of course, president and CEO of the Catholic Foundation, he said, quote, Georgia and Mark beautifully model how laity in the Catholic Church can make a significant impact in the way churches, diocesan schools, and nonprofit organizations grow and place heightened attention in critical areas of need, end quote. And so maybe you could just comment on that. I think in, in the old days, people thought that the priests and the bishops were going to do all the work, but uh, really since Vatican II especially, the laity have been called to do more, to be more active, and you and Georgia certainly have stepped up. So talk about how that you feel that responsibility perhaps as a layperson to, to, to do a lot. One doesn't have to spend a lot of time visiting with a parish priest to know that they're asked to do a myriad of things and maybe, maybe actually too many things. And mm-hmm. so it really is incumbent upon the laity to provide assistance where they can and, and offer, particularly in areas in the business side of the, the, uh, the, of the church, because it is a business uh, ultimately. And, um, uh, you know, the laity has just got different resources, different educational backgrounds, different experiences than our priests do. And they certainly, uh, uh, should step up and need to step up and provide those, the, the guidance that their, uh, their business backgrounds can provide to the, to the parishes and the, the broader church, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Uh, Georgia, as I mentioned, uh, page two that I didn't read has a list of all the groups and organizations that uh, y'all have helped. You've worked on diocesan and parish level organizations and boards and chairs and financial contributions as well. Uh, is there, um, you know, perhaps, uh, well, first of all, how do you all decide who you're going to help and how you're going to help them? And maybe, uh, an antidote or, or two about maybe a, a real blessing that you've had from being able to help some of these groups. How do we decide? Well, <laughs> there's so many needs in yeah. our in our community, our diocese and our community, that um, I, I guess it, it's it is a hard decision because yeah. we do get asked a lot, and we with our means we. Or proportionate to our giving, you know, mm-hmm. so we may not be able to give a gazillion dollars to something, but um, for me, anyway, I like, we not only like to financially support, but we also like to get in there in the trenches and and do our time yeah. and our talent as well as our treasure, because, um, you know, that we're, we're called to be the eyes and the hands and the feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. and you know, as Mark said, that's that's the role of the laity. And um, I guess, you know, some of our favorite things that we like to support is Catholic education because it meant so much to us. And um, I particularly work a lot with um, Our Lady of Perpetual Help School. And we recently visited uh, St. Cecilia School okay, as yeah. well. 
and we got to hear a, uh, a father talk about the impact that Catholic education has had on his, not just his children, but his whole family. Mm-hmm. It's a life changer yeah. for some of these families who are uh, not able to afford Catholic school. So it's been a real privilege for us to support Catholic education, um, especially, I mean, we support our school, All Saints School. Yeah. But it is especially rewarding, I think, to support the schools that maybe need extra help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. some of these inner city schools and things well, like yeah, that. And, and we're all familiar with the chaos that's going on in our world, and it's purely chaos. And certainly uh, it would appear that our public schools mimic that chaos. Yeah. And so by giving the uh, children an opportunity to get out of the chaos into a Catholic school environment where they're taught not only reading, writing, and arithmetic, but they also get religion and respect. Mm-hmm. And values. Values, yeah. That, yeah. the proper kind of values, not just values, because there are a lot of those being passed around in public education. Mm-hmm. But uh, it just, as George is saying, you know, we've we've witnessed the, uh, the opportunity, or we've been fortunate enough to witness the change in, in trajectory. It doesn't only change the trajectory of the child, of the whole family. One of one of our true favorites is Crystal Ray School, for instance. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of those kids, uh, they're the first child in their family to go to high school. And 99% of the graduates from Crystal Ray go to college. And it's just, uh, you know, once again, it's just all about giving folks a chance to, uh, a, a better chance to succeed. Yeah. One of the things that uh, I have in common with you all is that we both have a special needs child. I noticed that one of the schools that you support that isn't in the the Dallas area, St. Michael's Special School in New Orleans. And uh, you have a daughter who's uh, an adult special needs. And so uh, can you talk about that, uh, Georgia, about, uh, you know, not only, I guess, the, the neurotypical kids who need help and the finances to go to Catholic schools, but there's a whole sector of uh, special needs children that really need our support and that's something that that um you all are very involved in aren't you yes we are and and you know the saint michael's special school was when Kristen was uh, six years old when we lived in new orleans and um and and she when we moved to texas she did attend public schools but um yeah and here in dallas um you know notre dame school is does a wonderful job of um, educating special needs individuals. And at the time for us, it was just easier <laughs> because it was a distance to Notre Dame school mm-hmm. to get her there that we just, um, Kristen enjoy the, the public schools, but you know, we also had the religious training at all saints for her to fall back on as well. So, yeah. um, but yes, you know, everyone, sh- everyone should be included in the, in the church and at All Saints, we actually have a disabilities ministry there. And, um, yeah, so I don't like the name disabilities ministry yeah. because 
they have a lot of abilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It stresses the negative, right? Yes, uh, and yes. I and I like to say we all have disabilities. We we're all special Absolutely. needs. You know? Absolutely. Uh, sometimes they they get that label, and uh, mm-hmm. I think we ought to all, all, all kind of jump. To that. Mark, are you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to brag on Georgia. You know, in nineteen in nineteen seventy eight, there were uh, we were living in New Orleans, and there were not a lot of educational opportunities for folks who needed special uh, assistance and so uh we we were battling with the Jefferson Parish School Board and all that stuff to try to find an appropriate setting and Georgia was not uh, was not willing to accept something that was mediocre and and she ran upon uh St. Michael School and and it was a it was a wonderful uplifting experience and the the nuns were just so so receptive and so loving to Kristen it uh it really added a lot to her it, to to uh her period, that period of her life, it was, mm. it was yeah. awesome. She actually made her first Holy Communion and her confirmation yeah. there. So oh, wow. Very special memories for us. Oh, that's very good. Uh, you all seem like you really work together as a team well. Uh, you know, every every married couple has different personalities, different strengths, different weaknesses, but you come together and... Uh, Testimony uh, to a very patient woman. <laughs> <laughs> and after 51 years, I think it's kind of... A natural. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, and we are uh, just a, a few minutes remaining in our interview here. Uh, we are, are talking to uh, George and Mark Lyons. And uh, on uh, February 10th, it's a Saturday evening at the uh, Anatole Hotel in Dallas. Uh, they're going to be honored uh, with the uh, Catholic Foundation event. Let's talk a little bit about the Catholic Foundation. You know, we talk about all these other groups that you've supported, but you all have really invested a lot of time and 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 uh, uh, you know, a lot of, of your time and, and talent uh, to the Catholic Foundation. What has this group meant to you all? Either of you can jump in. Mark, do you want to talk about the Catholic Foundation itself? Well, sure. The The Catholic Foundation is an institution that's purpose for existence is to help people to execute their charitable desires. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they've got many tools uh, that are available. Uh, to uh, to basically uh, uh, anybody who would like to um, designate uh, some financial resources to a specific uh, cause or uh, institution. And uh, the Catholic Foundation's job is to make sure that that wish is executed. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've got a great staff that uh, spends their entire days and nights, (laughs) a lot of them, uh, heading, working in that direction to make Mm -hmm. sure that the donors' requests are honored. Yeah, and there yeah. it's a wonderful organization. Yeah, I'm, I'm somewhat prejudiced. <laughs> about well, without that, we wouldn't be doing this interview right now, right? And yeah. you wouldn't be getting the award if it wasn't for the Catholic Foundation. No, we've had such. I mean, going all the way back to Ed Schaffler, I like to say that when I first started in Catholic Radio, a bunch of people said you got to get in on the Catholic Foundation, and I thought they would never even talk to me. And I called Ed Schaffler, and he said, "Hey, let me take you out to lunch." And so from the very beginning, and of course Matt Kramer and uh, Michael George and Darina and uh, Bill and just the whole just Cheryl, wonderful, wonderful people. I hope I named everybody. I, I probably missed a couple, but let's talk about the event itself. On Saturday, February 10th, Georgia, this is, you, you've been to a lot of these. I've been to a lot of these. Of course, this is going to be very different, needless to say, because you guys are going to be honorees. What's going to happen that night for maybe the people listening right now who have never been to one of these events? What, what, what are, because uh, they do follow a certain pattern, and there's going to be a video, and what what are what will happen? Yeah, well, it's a wonderful um, gathering, first of all, of the Catholic community in Dallas. It's, um, you know, it's not only honoring 
the honorees. I think it honors Catholic philanthropy. And yeah. so it's, it's a celebration, absolutely a celebration. There's a, a lively um, cocktail time, and then there's a wonderful <laughs> dinner. Hopefully not too lively, right? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, um, it's fellowship. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's all about yeah, fellowship. Yeah. And, you know, and then you go into the dinner, and it's always so elegant. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Cheryl in the past has made it her baby, and Darina, I think, is taking it on this year. But, you know, it's always when they open those doors, it's like, whoa, wow. This, And it always, it's a great thing because it always, I think, takes on the personality of the honoree. Mm-hmm. And they do a great job of, you know, finding out your interests, what's important to you, and keeping it a secret, I guess. And so we don't really know what's going to happen other than the typical, you know, the the format of it. When you said the video, of course, there's a video. But that evening, I know for a fact that we're going to have many special family members there and Mm -hmm. and special friends there. And uh, that, to us, I think is the most important part. Mm -hmm. And at some point, Mark, you and uh, Georgia are going to stand up there and you'll be looking out at thousands of people and the lights and you're just going to, you know, have to say something. I know there's a little bit of an awards acceptance. Have you thought about this? You, uh, we're, we're looking for a speechwriter, Dave. We've got a couple of thoughts together, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, once again, it's, it's a, uh, it is a, um, intimidating experience to, yeah. at the very least. And uh, we'll be honored to say thank you and um, just look forward to um, seeing all of our friends and, and have our families there uh, to the extent that they can travel. And it, it will, it'll be, a, it'll be a great evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, now you know, I mentioned the hand ready. are they going to be the ones introducing you all or, or who's going to do the, uh, the actual introduction and that kind well, of thing. Well, the actual introduction is going to be done by uh, Jeff Schaffelbein. Oh, okay. I know Jeff well, a, yeah. Who's become a good friend. And um, the Hanratty's, uh, Don Hanratty is one that he's never want for an opportunity to say something. So <laughs> he probably will find a way onto the stage. Jan will be pulling at his coattail trying to get him off. So it'll be great. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, I must must say that we were fortunate enough to chair the event when Don and Jane were honored in 2017. Oh, okay. So okay. We've been close friends with them for, you know, for a long, long time. Yeah, well, that, that, that's great. That uh, yeah. turn, little turnabout there, yeah. huh? And you guys, can, they, they can return the favor to, to you all. Well, we're about out of time, but I do want to say congratulations. Thank you very much uh, for, for coming into the studio. I know you're very busy people, and thank you for your support. I know that that evening, it's going to be very touching because all these many, many groups that you've helped out, there's going to have representatives there, and a lot of people are going to be coming up to you and saying thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, you're such humble people, and so so I say thank you on behalf of all of them, and uh, we're looking forward to Saturday, February 10th, uh, the Catholic Foundation Award Dinner. And uh, as I mentioned, the recipients of the Catholic Foundation Award are going to be Georgia and Mark Lyons. And uh, I've enjoyed this conversation very much, so thank you for coming in. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Dave. Oh, certainly. Mm-hmm. And I invite everybody to go, okay? I don't know how many, if there's a capacity, they they sell out or whatever, but uh, still a couple of months before the event, so don't delay. Go to catholicfoundation.com and get your tickets. Again, this is going to be on uh, Saturday, February 
10th. And uh, we do hope to see you there. There's just a lot of wonderful people. You're going to enjoy it very much. Great meal. And the, as Georgia said, very elegant uh, event. So that is going to do it for this pre-recorded um, good news show. And uh, we're off today, but we'll be back in the office uh, tomorrow. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, thank you to everybody who supported us last week during our Christmas Sherathon with the Joy to the World theme was our theme last year. So uh, if you do support uh, Catholic Radio, we're very grateful because it allows us to do things like this, to, to, to introduce you to wonderful people who are doing a lot to bless the local Catholic community. Thank you again to Bill Kula and Matt Kramer and the entire staff of the Catholic Foundation for doing all the good work that they do. And also thanks to Cecil Anderson for running the board and also being on with me during the first segment uh, of the show today. And uh, God bless you. Have a great rest of your Monday. And uh, we'll be live again, God willing, next Monday for the Good News Show. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Dave Palmer. Do you love all that you're learning about the Catholic Church here on the GRN? And are you ready to dive into the deep? If so, join us each Friday afternoon beginning at 1 p.m. Central for Back to the Father on the GRN's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter pages as we discuss key teachings of St. Thomas Aquinas' Summa Theologia and their application to our everyday journey through this life and our goal of returning Back to the Father. Each Friday at 1 p.m. Central, email backtothefather at grnonline.com for more information. The Guadalupe Radio Network thanks Little Elm Eye Care for their support of local Catholic radio. Little Elm Eye Care is owned by Drs. Burt and Leslie Bubella, parishioners of St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Frisco. They specialize in family vision care, comprehensive eye exams, contact lenses, and the treatment of eye diseases and injuries. Little Elm Eye Care is located at 1200 East El Dorado Parkway, Suite 100, across from the Little Elm Athletic Complex. They can be reached by calling 972-2920-900 or on the web at littleelmeyecare.com. This is Sarah Soto, Thursday host of A Life Lived Joyfully, where we explore the call to holiness and the life of virtue, inviting you to join the program daily at 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Guadalupe Radio Network. You can also listen to us on your smartphone by downloading the Guadalupe Radio Network app from the App Store or Google Play. We hope you can join us. God bless you. KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth.